Hello and welcome to Strides Forward, where we share stories about running told by women. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer, and before we get into this story, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by The Feed, the number one online resource for supplements and nutritional needs for athletes like you. The Feed was created by Athletes for Athletes, so you can rest assured that all the products that you find there have been tested and curated and approved by the athletes at The Feed. Their interest is your performance as well as their own. And there's a huge variety to choose from. There are over 200 brands represented at The Feed. So this is your one-stop shop for nutrition and supplementation for your athletic performance needs. If you're looking for gels, hydration, mixes, bars, all of it, you can find it at The Feed. So shopthefeed.com. And as a part of this sponsorship, you can claim $80 in feed credit today. Just go to thefeed.com forward slash forward. Yes, that's a forward slash and the word forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D, to claim your $80 in feed credit today. And enjoy shopping at The Feed. Now, on to the episode. It was actually one of my teammates. We were casually sitting around one day, and she said, oh, yeah, I mean, eventually, everyone, every woman on this team is going to run under three hours. And I said, I was looking at her, and I was like, she's not talking about me. There's no way. I just run at 3.30. Like, the idea of running under three hours in a marathon. I'm like, wait, what pace is that? Absolutely not. Like, no way. But, you know, she she said that. And, she, and so the whole sub three thing, really, from that moment, was in the back of my mind. But I certainly did not feel like it was that, that I could do that. Like, that just seemed impossible. My name is Erica Stanley Dutton. I am from Brooklyn, New York. I am a mom of two boys, eight and 11, and I'm also the community manager and events director for Tracksmith here in New York City. And I am 48 years old. Erica, of course, is also a runner. Specifically, she's a competitive marathon runner these days with big goals. And she's going to tell you the whole story here because you are listening to Strides Forward, the podcast that features stories about running told by women. Thank you so much for being here. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer, and you are in for a treat. Plus a little bonus. After the credits, please stick around to hear an anecdote from Erica about her running world fates colliding in really wonderful ways. But of course, before that, we're going to get into the episode and you're going to hear all about how Erica went from thinking that she absolutely could never break three hours in the marathon to knowing that she absolutely can Along the way, you're also going to hear Erica mention BQ, which is shorthand for Boston Qualifier, and it is the marathon time you have to run to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Those times are adjusted for age and gender. Getting a BQ is an achievement all its own. It's a point of pride and respect in the world of marathon running. And when Erica was first aiming to get her BQ, she needed to run three hours, 45 minutes. So this puts Erica's pursuit of a sub-three-hour marathon into stark perspective. 45 minutes less. 
than a very respectable marathon time. To put this in super basic terms, running a sub three is incredibly hard. For women and men alike, it is a really significant goal. And as you'll hear, for Erica and for many of her teammates, this goal is meaningful for multiple reasons. And while the story is about meeting a really challenging time goal, it is also about the people that Erica is on this journey with. Key among them are her teammates and coach. Erica is a member of the competitive running team, the Black Roses, which is headed up by writer, poet, passionate runner, and coach, Knox Robinson. But that's not where we're going to start. We're going to go back to before Erica had even considered running a marathon at all. I always loved to run, um, but, you know, I was always running. Like when I say running, you know, on the treadmill or doing, you know, three, four, five miles here and there, like just to stay in shape, you know, just to be active, you know, all through my, my late 20s and early 30s. But the idea of distance running never really occurred to me as a sport, something to be competitive in. And then, you know, by around my mid-30s, I was started running with a group of friends that I had and one particular was training for the New York City Marathon. And so I was in Central Park and, you know, we would do runs and we would hang out. And, and then I cheered him on in that race. It was 2007 New York City Marathon. And, you know, I've wa- I watched the marathon every year because it, it rolls through my neighborhood in Brooklyn. And, and so it's been a part of my life since I was a kid. But like there was something about that year that I was cheering for him and after having run with him and some and our other friends and seeing, you know, all the work he had put in and like then he was out there doing it. And there was something about that that was just like, oh, a light bulb went off. It was just like, I could do that. Like, I, I want to try that. You know, like this is like a new challenge. And I think I had to see sort of his process and him going through it to kind of appreciate, you know, because cheering the marathon is like the, my favorite thing ever. I mean, it's such a such an amazing thing to watch, you know, all those folks out there. But uh, I think when you are close to somebody who trained for one, it's like a different you're watching a different thing. You see, you're seeing inspiration on another level. And so after that, I just decided I was going to register and I was going to try to run a marathon. And it was just like that. And so I was, you know, thinking about, well, I could do that. Like, all I got to do is, you know, get a get a plan and like, you know, start running longer and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I did. I just downloaded like a little plan off the internet, printed it out, put it on my fridge. And I think it was like Hal Higdon's like, you know, beginning marathon plan or something like that. Right. And it was like, I did some research. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. You know, this, you know, I looked at the mileage. I was like, oh, I could do that. You know, it was like, it was like four miles, four miles, four miles, and then like go up to 10 miles you know and so it was really simple and like and I started jogging around and doing my own thing and and it was cool because I was just like oh I can do this so yeah I think that part of it was just like fun to me because it was something new that I was kind of and and now what I knowing what I know about the marathon journey is like you know it was a very solo effort um back then because you know something I was embarking on but I had no idea what I was doing you know I didn't have I wasn't even at the level to be like oh I need people to run with or I need a coach or I need I, I was just like okay let me just follow this plan and see what happens you know type of thing but you know I, I obviously wanted to run a certain time I wanted to run four hours you know I wanted to break four hours in my first marathon and that was only because I had heard other people talking about that I didn't even know what that really meant so I was just like oh, I'm gonna break four hours in my first marathon but yeah I think all of those things just made it it was fun, you know, and so download the plan and I just started training on my own. I, I'm at that the group that I was running with before, like I would run with them every once in a while, but they had all kind of, you know, dissipated by then, you know, after the marathon. And so this is 2008 now. Um, so I was doing a lot of mostly most of my running on my own. And then my run started getting longer and it was cool because I was just like, oh, I can do this. 
the plan had me going up to like 20 miles. So I did 20 miles. The first time I ran 20 miles, I remember it because like I just felt like such a sense of accomplishment with that run. And then, yeah, that kind of just fueled me to keep going. One thing that, I, that sticks out is that this training, you know, all these runs, all of this mileage and practice and was preparing you for a race that was longer like back then I wasn't thinking about it. Like I might think about it now, which is that, you know, really it's about the training, the race, race day is like, you know, the, the celebration or this is the, you know, the race day is like you showing what you've done, but like the training is it. Right. But like, I think then it was like, oh, all this training is preparing me for a race that's even longer. Like, what is that? You know, what is that like? Like, cause like, well, how does he, what, what is running 26 miles even? So I, mean, I, I remember being really nervous about that, but also like excited. Erica would discover for the very first time just what running 26.2 miles was all about on November 2nd, 2008. That was the day she lined up in Staten Island and followed the course of the New York City Marathon all the way to its finish in Central Park. It was awesome. I mean, it was a whole big thing. I mean, you know, my, all my friends and my family and, you know, they had watched me train for this. And like, so, you know, and like I said, it rolls through my neighborhood. So like everybody had, they had the t-shirts made up and it was like signs and like, you know, it was New York, obviously. And, and so my sister rode the, the ferry with me over to the Staten Island. Like it was a whole big thing. But I remember like I was enjoying the experience for sure. And then like, when I started getting tired, probably, you know, around mile 20, in the, in the 20s, you know, mile those, that last 10K obviously is like still where you get tired now, right? It's like, I was like, oh, okay, this is hard. <laughs> this is like, okay, like, and so now I'm in Harlem. I saw my, the rest of my family and everything. And then I got to Fifth Avenue and I was just like, oh, this sucks. Like, what's happening? Like, and then, you know, and then like mile 25, 20, 24, 25. I was like, okay, this finished, just finished. But I did. And I ran a 406. I did not break four hours, but I ran a 406. And I was, I was pleased with that because I was like, okay, you know, and then after that, obviously I was hooked. <laughs> So I finished the marathon, that was 2008. It's a huge sense of accomplishment. I, you know, I did it immediately. Like when I, when I say I got hooked, I mean, I think I was hooked, but like I didn't immediately say, oh, I'm gonna sign up for my next one, which people do sometimes, right? It was still my first one. So I was like, oh, that's cool, you know? And then I started running half marathons, you know? So I would sign up for New York World Runners races, you know, here and there. And then I think like I, between, you know, life, work and everything else, I, didn't necessarily jump right back into the race in the marathon, but I did, I think that did spark the running, like the distance running thing. So like, you know, like I said, I would run halves, I would run 10Ks, you know, just get in races and stuff. And then I met my husband the following year in 2009. He was also a runner um, and he had run, you know, one of the things we had in common, he had run like the 2006, 2007 marathons and I ran 2008. And so like, so we met and we met and married really quickly. And then, you know, I had my first son probably a year after that. And so like things kind of life things kind of took over. And so, you know, after that marathon, essentially, you know, two years, a year and a half later, I was pregnant with my first son. So, you know, that my running changed just naturally because of all that. And so, yeah. So then after I had my first son, probably the next year, um, I got back into halves and, and started running again just to get, you know, to stay active and everything. And I was, and I was still running, you know, when he was a baby, you know, just to stay, get back in shape, you know, after that. So like that was, then running became sort of a, 
that was my, my, my thing, you know, my go-to, my, it still is. But like at that point in my life, it was more about like fitness and like dropping the baby weight and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't get back into like racing, racing until, you know, way after that. Racing, racing. While Erica had yet to develop the skills of being a competitive distance runner, she did have years of experience developing as a competitive athlete. I do have a track background. Um, so I've been running and racing, I mean, since I was a kid. Um, I started out in, in middle school and went on to compete in high school after I found my coach and my mentor, uh, Fred Thompson, who started the Adams Track Club here in Brooklyn and also the Colgate Women's Games, which is the longest running track series for women in the country. It's been going on for 47 years. And so Freddie, when I my mom, you know, me being a you know 12, 13 year old who needed some guidance and direction. My mom, you know, and I love to run. I was I was like the gym class runner and all that. But my mom decided to take me around to Pratt where he was coaching, which is right near my house in Brooklyn. And, you know, I met him and, you know, after that, it was like that kind of took my running and um, to the next level. And I was, you know, I was a teenager. And so it kind of gave a lot of direction to my life and, you know, really set me up for so many things. I mean, I'm still to this day thinking about how that moment and, you know, meeting him and, and starting to race and do track um, as a teenager has, has had really shaped me and changed everything. Once I, because I'm, I think I'm naturally a competitor, right? I'm definitely a lifelong athlete. And so, you know, I've always had that in me. And so I think seeing, and I think that's probably still true today. Once I started training and like, I actually saw myself improving and getting better and like, you know, competing at a higher level from the year before. Once that started happening, I think it changed the way I was looking at it. You know, in the beginning, obviously, like most teenagers, you know, my, my interest was waning. It was in and out. Like, I didn't know, you know, if I was going to do this as a lack of time commitment, you know. But then once I started really, you know, getting better and I was like, oh, this is oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of fun, you know, and like I, I want to explore this, you know. And so I think that my curiosity about, well, how mu- well, what can I actually do, you know, is, is the thing that kind of kept me, you know, in it and going. And, you know, my group of sprinter teammates, you know, we were really close and like, you know, because we would have to be, I mean, we, we would be running the same, you know, we'd be training together, racing together, or relays together. That kind of camaraderie and, and bonding is different. You know, it's a different type of friendship. Um, and, and I think I, I reflect on that more now, I guess, but like when you're in it, you're in it. But like, I think just being in that, you know, and having that sisterhood was really cool. I went on to um, compete in college. I went went to Georgetown, um, and I, mean, I was a sprinter actually. So I was a quarter miler, and for me, competing in, at the college collegiate level obviously was a lot. Um, you know, I ended up, you know, doing well, but you know, by the time I graduated, track and just running and everything was just so I was exhausted. So I just, you know, and, and like most early twenty somethings, wanted to just do my own thing and, and figure out what was next. And so then I just kind of started doing some jogging around, you know, but it was nothing serious until I got into my 30s. Erica's jogging around had led her to that 2008 New York City Marathon, but it would be a number of years before she got back to running that distance. So 2011, my son was born, and then I ran the Brooklyn half probably the next year. And, you know, I would just do little halves and road races. Oh, and then we had our second son in 2013, two and a half years apart. So like that was the other thing. So I had two kids pretty much, you know, very close, you know, close-ish together. And so, you know, I was still running. So then my husband 
signed up for the 2014 New York City Marathon. And so, and then he he went on to run 14, 15, and 16. And so we were out there cheering him. And I think that's what, you know, I was like, okay, I want to get back into this. I'm ready. And so I ended up signing up for the 2017 New York City Marathon. So that was nine years after my first one. (laughs) And I ran, then I ran my second one. By 2017, like we had a little parent group and a couple of us were runners. And so we were talking more about, you know, just running in general. And I had people to run with. And, you know, and in, in fact, a friend of ours, you know, parent friend ran 2017 with me. And, you know, we ran together, I should say. And yeah, it was a totally different experience doing that as a parent nine years later with someone than doing it by myself and not knowing what I was doing. So yeah, things changed. I ended up running at 356. So I did break four hours. I was very happy with myself. <laughs> that was my first experience with super shoes. I went and bought my little Nike 4%. Like I had the whole, the outfit, everything. It was like a totally different marathoner going into that one than it was, you know, nine years prior. And then, you know, people, and again, for people talking and just being around others and like the sport and more and out there and, and, and learning about what was in the community. People started saying things like BQ and, you know, talking about, you know, other races. And I'm like, well, what is that? And, you know, so that, those are kinds of things that started happening just naturally as I got back into it. So I think it, I got my sights, you know, set on going back to like, you know, my competitive self, like the same person I've always been, right? It was like, once I heard about this BQ stuff, I was like, oh, with Boston's qual- BQ, Boston, oh, okay, so you have to run a certain time to run that race. So then, you know, my competitor kicked in and I was like, well, I want to do that. I want to try that, you know, and, and, you know, now I'm in my 40s. So like I, you know, I, I wasn't aware even of age groups and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I looked at the time to qualify for Boston in my age group. And it was like 345 at the time. And so I was like, huh, I think I could do that. Like I ran 356 in in New York. Like, hmm, maybe if I run a flat race, I can run 345. And so what did I do? I went and signed up for the New Jersey Marathon because I heard it was flat and I could do that. And like, you know, and so again, on my own, I downloaded a plan this time. You know, I was like, let me put in some track, you know, workouts and do it, you know, but solely, you know, mainly by myself, you know, I would go on my group runs every once in a while and just like kind of still a solo journey, if you will. Um, And then that following April of 2018, I ran the New Jersey marathon and I did it. I got the BQ on my own. And then I was like, okay, I need a coach. (laughs) I need a group. I need a coach. I need, cause then I was, that's what I think put the fire in me to be like, all right, well, if I'm going to do that, I need to step it up another notch, a couple of notches. So that that's, I think, why I ended up kind of exploring other ways of training. That exploration led Erica directly to checking out a running team she'd been following for a while, one that emphasized dedicated group training and elevating women's running. Black Roses was, you know, it was kind of like the, I was like, oh, this is a cool thing, you know, and I, and I loved you know, the diversity and the group, you know, some of the people on the team, I was watching them and they were so fast and a lot of women and just like doing really cool things in the community. And, and you know, Knox, um, who ended up being my coach um, later on, um, Knox Robinson, you know, I loved the things that he talked about. He's a writer. So like he would write about, you know, the training that they were doing. It was just all really interesting to me and, and totally, you know, piqued my interest. And so I, ended up showing up to the open sessions, which is essentially like, it's not a tryout, but I guess it is. It's just kind of like open session come to see if, you know, this is something you'd like you know, to do. And, and you know, it's always some like crazy workout. And like, so I showed up that summer, I showed up to open sessions and 
I guess the rest was history. You know, I met everyone and like did the workouts and I came every week. And then at the end of it, he was just like, oh, I want you to run with us. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, and like, I mean, obviously I was so happy and so excited, you know, but I, and I didn't even go into it as if it was a tryout, but you know, in my mind it was right. And it was like, I felt, you know, accepted. And I also was excited about like having a group to train with now and a coach and like, what does that mean? Like, you know, so that kind of changed everything. The other part of it was like, I, I lost my dad in June of 2018 and he was, you know, super active, you know, always suddenly a heart attack. And so, you know, the day before, the day he was going to go play tennis, like something crazy. But like, I think that deep down, you know, when I think about it now, like that was something that changed the way I was looking at this. I was just like, okay. And like, and he, and he was also very close to my marathon journey. You know, he'd always be cheering me on and like, you know, because he was still very active himself. And so I think when that happened, I, there was something in me that was just like, okay, like, what am I waiting for? Like, I don't, what I, you know, like, what, what are you afraid of? Like, you know, yeah, sh- sure, you can be intimidated and all that, but you still, you know, want to level up, like, just go do it, you know? And I think that's what kind of gave me that kind of blind courage to just show up to this group and being, you know, like a, a mom in, of two in her 40s and be like, hey, I want to run with you guys, you know? So I think that was, that was it. And then I guess I just, yeah, I mean, I think back to, you know, drawing back to when I was a kid, you know, I I have to say like, I, you know, I like to race. I like, I don't, I get nervous, but my nervousness is always like the anxious butterflies. I love competing. I love running. I love all of that stuff about the sport. And so like, you know, showing up to this workout with these people I don't know was excitement, something new, something, all those things that, you know, I love also. So like, you know, it was kind of tapping into that. Then that that brought out another part of me, right? It was almost like I was going back to the old me, you know, And, and I think, joining that group really changed me in so many ways because I was at that time, at that point, you know, I had been a mom for almost eight years at that point and almost 10 years. And so like, you know, I was mom, you know, I was mom. I wasn't, I was mom of two boys at home. It was until then I was running, but being in this group, they didn't know me as that. They knew me as this woman, as Erica who shows up and like is running with them, right? And so I was anonymous, you know, they didn't know anything about me. They didn't know anything about my life. They didn't know anything about my dad. They didn't know anything. It was just me, right? And I think there was a comfort there, um, you know, just having been through all that and, and, and still going through my day to day, there was a comfort in being anonymous in that way. And so I was able to just kind of tap into who I was and that's the competitor that's the person who loved to run and, and who wants to explore and you know get better in this that was moving me into the next phase of my life as well and like unbeknownst to me at the time like that brought so many other things into my life in every way that yeah like it, it and I guess it was at the time I was thinking about running but like now running has has literally changed my life in so many ways My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. 
well, first to have a sisterhood, like, like I was talking about earlier with my track team, you know, and to have that was always so special to me, but like to have that at this point in my life, you know, I would have ex- never expected it and I would have never thought it would happen, but to have that, that sisterhood for in, in a sport like this, where I am is, is everything. And then, you know, in terms of the women, like my coach, you know, Knox and Black Roses has always been about, you know, uplifting women. Like when we're training, like we all start together, you know, the guys, if they break off and do their own thing, that's cool. But he doesn't split us up into groups. You know, the men here, the women here, we're all one team and we all start together and we just, we work, we work together. And so, but he's also very, very clear that like, it's about us uplifting us. And so even the guys on the team, like they're always so supportive of us and what we're trying to do and and races and, and, and it's really cool. Funny enough, it's like now when I'm looking back now, you know, so I, that was for, you know, 2018, so I've been around, I was on this, I've been around them for four years. And so I think the breaking three thing, I mean, even taking a step back to that, like before even getting there, like in terms of how it's changed, how it changed my whole situation, like, you know, you know, they're practicing in the evenings and they're practicing, you know, on the weekends and like, you know, it, it forced me to figure out, you know, help with the boys so that I could do something for me and, you know, all those kinds of things that, you know, as a mother, like we don't do because we're just in it, you know, and we had, and I had little kids. And so, you know, first being part of the group forced me to do that, which, you know, then brought out the other part where I could actually focus on the training. And so, yeah, it wasn't until, you know, when I ran my first marathon under Black Roses, it it was New York City again. I joined the group over the summer, trained, 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 trained hard all just kind of like jumped right in. And then I ran New York um, that fall of 2018 in 3.30. And then I was like, yeah, it's like a big jump. And I was like, wow, wow, oh wow. And so that was, I think, the, a moment when for me personally, it was like, okay, like again, sparking that interest in that, in how far can I go with this? Like what, what, what could I, what else can I do? Um, and so, 3.30 and then going into 3.30, you know, that was what, 2018? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I continued on, you know, all through 2019 trains and everything. And then I ran a 3.15 in Philly the next year. And I said, okay, hmm, that's another 15 minutes. Maybe, maybe I could get close to three hours. I don't know, you know? And that was like, that was the moment where I was like, actually saw that maybe it was possible. And then COVID. So that was the following spring. Um, but yeah, I, I had it in my mind then because that was the first time after Philly where I felt like I was racing a marathon. Like I ran that race and I was like, oh, I ran. I, I, I actually, I wasn't just running a marathon. I felt like I was racing a marathon for the first time. I remember feeling in that race, even when I was running in New York, like that 3.30 in New York, I went out pretty slow. Like I was scared, you know, I was still kind of like, oh, I can't go out running too fast. You know, like I was still trying to be like, oh, like conserve my energy. But in Philly that year, I don't know. I was just, I just went for it. And I, and I remember in the race feeling like, oh, I'm running fast. Like I can do this. Like, this is cool. Like, you know, it was like, I just remember, I remember thinking that to myself, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run a good time. Like I'm going to, and I wasn't even going for a time goal at all. I just wanted to run better than I did. But when I started looking down at my watch and I was running, you know, consistent miles in the seven, you know, seven low sevens, I was like, oh. Like I surprised myself and that was the first time I had felt that, you know, I felt like, like during the race when I was actually running, like I was going to actually do, I could do pretty good. So I was, I felt like I was racing. 
Erica was starting to see that going after a sub-three-hour marathon was becoming a very realistic goal. And for her and some of her closest teammates who were chasing a sub-three as well, reaching that goal would also put them on the list. Capital T, capital L. And that list is all of the American-born Black women who have run under three hours. Currently, there are only 24 women on the list. To put this in some perspective, at the 2022 Boston Marathon alone, there were 181 American women who ran under three hours. This reality speaks volumes about distance running culture in the United States, as well as social, historical, and cultural influences that go far beyond running. I think definitely getting on the list is meaningful, just being an, you know, an African-American, American-born Black woman to be on this list. I think that just in terms of our culture, in terms of our running culture, we spend a lot of time talking about the sport of running and, you know, its accessibility and representation and everything. And, you know, it's always been important to me to represent, but also represent all of us, right? We're not a monolith. We're not, it's not just about, you know, I, I think that, and we talk about this a lot on my team. And so like, you know, this is something that for us as the Black folks on the team became a thing because it was also the group, the effort, the knowing that we were all trying to go after this thing together with Knox, you know, coaching us like that. All of these things kind of became the thing, you know, the, the list is the list, but like really it's been the journey of trying to do this with these women and him. And then, and that's been really special. And then I think just in terms of the list itself, you know, obviously being on it, you know, for me as a Black American woman is, is important, but also I think it's just about, you know, performance. And like, I think it's just as important that people see us performing as it is just us running out there. You know, a lot of times that, you know, representation for folks really means, that, oh yeah, we're out here, you know, there's brown people and Black and brown people who run. Yeah, sure. Cool. But there's also some Black and brown people out here who are like really trying to do it and trying to do big things and try to, you know, break barriers and like, you know, and, and in a sport that like, I'm an example, like I started out as a sprinter, like many of us do, you know, that's just because when we start running track, we want to run fast, you know, we're thinking about distance, you know, and so it's like for us to all, and, and a lot of the women on the list, you know, too, not, not everyone came from distance backgrounds, but we're all so different. And even then one women on my team, you know, I'm obviously the oldest, you know, I have kids, you know, I have a whole different life, you know, than they do. And each of us have different lives. And so it's really like all that story, which I have become so attached to in terms of like telling, but also just the journey with them, which has become like such a personal and such an amazing experience for me. Through this journey, Erica has begun to see her teammates, one by one, start to add their names to the list. And along the way, she's been edging ever closer herself. In the fall of 2021, I, myself, Sherrod Maddox, um, and Danny McNeely, we all ran, three of us ran London, and Sherrod Maddox ran uh, sub three in London. And then Giovanna Fisher, she ran a 256 this year in Boston, her third marathon ever. And she had just joined Black Roses in 2021. So that was the first time that any of us had done it. Um, London 21 and then Boston 22. It was, I mean, it, I mean you know, I, and I ran both of those races and I was support, and I, you know, in my mind, like, you know, 
something happened both times, you know, in London, my hamstring pulled. And so, you know, I was kind of like hobbling toward the end of the race, but then, and then in Boston this year, I got dehydrated. I ran a 301. I mean, I was still PRing and like by a lot in these races, but like, you know, something happened in both races that taught me that, oh, okay. So the marathon actually doesn't owe you a thing at all. Like you're, you can train, 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 train and be in the best shape of your life. I had run a 122 half in New York in March. And so I was ready and, you know, I was on target with my training as well. You know, I was running 80 mile weeks. I was knocking out workouts. I ran the 122 a month before, like I was on a roll and, you know, my coach, thought I was somewhere in around 250 shape. And so that was where I was thinking I was gonna end up being. And, um, you know, the sun was out that day. I almost kind of blacked out. I got dizzy on the course. I had to stop a couple times to walk. And like, so yeah, like that was a big, big learning for me. Um, Boston, this, this past Boston. I was on target, you know, I was in like up until, you know, I got dehydrated and I kind of slowed down, but like, and that wasn't really until the last, I would say four or five miles, honestly. Like it wasn't, it was at the end of the race again. So that was like super frustrating. Um, but, you know, I ran a 301 and that was my fastest race ever. And so now, you know, I feel like sub three, I feel like I already had a sub three. I, I kind of now, okay, how fast can I run? And how many more of these do I actually have in me? You know what I mean? At this point, I'm like, hmm, how fast can I actually run now? You know, like I'm, I'm kind of focused on that and just like really pushing it to see, you know, and, and, and cause now I know that even on race day, you know, so many things can happen, you know, so many things can happen, but that's a part of it, right? That's the excitement of it, which I've always liked, you know, all I can do is get back out there and like do it again. You know, there was nothing, you know, that I, I mean, obviously I made some mistakes. I mean, I, I don't think obviously in terms of my fueling and like, you know, I could have done some other things differently, but like, yeah, just lots of learning. So I definitely, I had it. I had it. She did have it. Erica was so tantalizingly close, and the sub three is so clearly within her reach. But let's step back for a minute just to not overlook the fact that a 301 in the marathon was yet one more PR, and Boston is a tough course. It is not a place to run the fastest you're capable of, even when you are having a great day. And running 301 in any circumstances is incredible. And yet, Erica knows she's got more in her and she wants to find out just how much. So she'll be putting her experience and speed and competitive spirit to the test again very soon. So it's, oh, Berlin in the fall, in September. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We're going to take another crack at it. You know, I still haven't, I still feel like I haven't had the race yet. You know what I mean? Like I haven't had, I've had great races. Like I've been PRing, I've been having, you know, I had, I had the half, I think maybe in New York, but I haven't had the marathon where that race, you know, where I'm going to run fast, nothing happens. I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, and, but like, that's the excitement of it. It's like, am I going to have it? We'll see. You know, all I can do is train, you know, and, and get ready for it. So yeah, that's, that's exciting. That is totally exciting, and I will be eagerly following along using the Berlin Marathon Tracker app, and I'll be cheering Erica on from afar. I hope you join me. That'll be on September 25th, 2022. You can also follow Erica on Instagram. She is at estanley.with2ts, and I'll link that in the show notes. 
I want to wish Erica the very, very best for Berlin and whatever else comes next in her journey. And I want to thank Erica so much for sharing her story on the podcast, her showing up to go after seriously fast marathons and half marathons. I mean, 122 and a half, that is some serious speed. It is all so inspiring, and on so many levels, as a dedicated competitor and runner, as a mom, as a 48-year-old, as a woman, as an American-born black woman, as a community builder, as a teammate. I mean, Erica is showing up in so many ways, and in addition to that, as a social impact producer for the running documentary Sisters on Track, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But before that, I do want to encourage you to check out the notes for this episode. In addition to having Erica's Instagram link there, I'm also going to post links to get more information about the Sisters on Track documentary, which you can, and I highly recommend you do, watch on Netflix. It's fantastic. I will also link to the calendar of Tracksmith events and group runs. As Erica mentioned way up at the beginning, she's the community manager for Tracksmith New York City, and she oversees all the events that go into building community there, their group runs and other events. And you can see all of that on the calendar, or you can sign up for the Tracksmith New York City newsletter, and you can follow them on Strava to stay up to date on everything that's going on there. As always, I want to thank you so much for being here and for listening. We love making this podcast, but we couldn't do it without you. And we would love it if you would share the show with your friends or via social media. Word of mouth is how independent shows like ours grow, and you sharing the show makes a huge impact. Thank you. Also, please tag us. We are at Strides Forward on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can find us on Facebook, too. And of course, I do not make this show by myself. Cormac O'Regan makes all the original music for the show, and he does the sound design. That all happens in his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all the design work for Strides Forward, including the website, the merch, the social media, all of it. April comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find her at bonfirecollaborative.com. And yes, I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am the host and producer of Strides Forward. And as always, I am coming to you from a closet in Somerville, Massachusetts. Thank you again for listening. I will now wish you many happy, joyful Strides Forward, and I will leave you with this final anecdote from Erica. It's all about worlds colliding in delightfully fortunate ways and how running is about so much more than the simple act of putting one foot in front of the other. Here's Erica to take you out. Yeah, and it was like, it's one of those stories where, again, like how running and specifically joining Black Roses changed my life because, you know, I, so I met the director of Sisters on Track completely, it was the most serendipitous thing, maybe one of the top five things that happened in my life. I was outside the school one day, dropping off my kids. Our kids go to the same school and I was sitting out there and it was the one day I usually drive, that day I didn't drive. I took an Uber with my son and then I was waiting with a parent who I knew was coming back to my neighborhood. I was like, I was gonna catch a ride back with him. And so he's like, oh, you know, come with me real quick. I just gotta buy something for lunch from the store and then we'll go home. I'm like, cool. And he was talking to another guy named Charles and so the three of us went walking and Charles and I, we started chit-chatting outside this deli while our other friend was in. And it was, it was my friend Ennis, the one who I'd run with, 
you know, in 2017. So um, we're all parents at the same school. And so Charles and I just started chit-chatting. He's like, oh, so what do you do? I was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm an event producer by trade, but like I started getting into some film production, you know, uh, shoots and stuff in the last couple of years. And he's like, oh, my wife's a director. I'm like, cool. And I had met them before, um, you know, at the school, but I didn't know anything about, you know, what they did or anything like that. He's like, yeah, she's, she, um, she just finished a film actually, and that's going to be on Netflix. I'm like, oh, that's cool. She, and I was like, well, what is it about? And she's like, it's called Sisters on Track. It's about these three girls from Brooklyn who run track for the Jeunesse Track Club. And I was like, wait, what? And the Jeunesse Track Club was started by Jean Bell, who also was coached by Freddie Thompson at the ad, and she was an Adam. I've known Jean. I had known. I've known Jean since I was a kid, right? And Freddie started Colgate, and so. He started going on about this film and I was like, it was literally these girls, this film and this story was every part of my life that, I mean, it was unreal. And I was just sitting here, I was like, I pulled up my phone. I was like, Freddie was my mentor. And he was like, what? And so we just started going back and forth. And then he told me, he was like, you know, she's looking for social impact producers to work on this film. And, you know, and then I didn't even know what social impact work was for films. You know, I, did, I learned a lot about it, but basically, you know, they got this funding from Colgate to do a social impact campaign, which basically most documentaries have them, but it's using the subject and themes in the film to do some social programming and, and impact work. And so, I mean, all the close connections. I mean, so finally, see, he was like, okay, I'm going to send her your number so you, so you guys can talk. She called me right. He told her, I mean, within, I say an hour, she had already called me. She's like, oh my God. She was like, I had to meet with you. We met that day. And when I tell you, there was so they had been shooting that film for five years. So like that meant that I, they were shooting the whole time we, we were at the school. No idea. Um, and I, that, that, at that point, I wasn't in the sport as much as I you know, was in the past. Obviously, I was kind of disconnected from it. You know, and our coach, Freddie, died in 2019. And so like I had seen, you know, every, I hadn't really seen everybody since then. And, you know, I was kind of disconnected. But like, yeah, like she they, had, they were filming this thing the whole time and I had no idea. And so we started talking about it. And then she said, she had a meeting with a guy named John Cohen, um, who was from Fader Magazine. And he told her in outreach for, the, for this project, you need to find Black Roses and Knox Robinson and talk to them about da 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 da, da and X, Y, Z. She had a piece of paper, that, that the email he sent her. You need to find these people. So I was like, I run with Black Roses. Knox is my coach. He was like, what? I mean, it was it was like that. It was crazy. Like every level of overlap. And and so anyways, I ended up coming on to be one of the social impact producers um, for the last year for the film. And it was amazing. Like it brought me back into the sport. It brought me back into, you know, my past in terms of like, you know, the track world, like, and up until now, even with this tracksmith, I mean, it brought me tracksmith. It's, I mean, there's so many things that have come out of that, that have has brought me back into the track world, which I'm so appreciative of because I, you know, I had been out of it for so long. So yeah, it was, it was, it's been, it was wild. And then obviously working with the girls and Jeunesse and like, you know, being back in that was so nostalgic, but also really cool just to, 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 and, and support Jean and, you know, what she's doing and she's been doing it for 35 years, you know, and it's just like a reminder of all these things that are happening all the time that we, you know, are in and out of, but like they're happening, they're still happening, you know? Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. 
And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.